Welcome to the first ever episode of Bear With Me. This is going to be a Bruins podcast with myself. I'm Joey Capone. This is my good friend, Rob. Hey, man. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Yeah, as if we haven't been sitting here talking. It's weird to say, like, hey, dude. Like, we haven't been hanging out and well, talking. I've been sitting in silence, all day. so it makes sense. That yeah, we sat and watched point. the game together in absolute silence. But yeah, this. so welcome to the first episode of our show, guys. We decided pretty recently to finally go through with this idea. We've had this idea for well over a year. How long? How I would long say we six about years. This? Is it about six years I now? I would say about six years. That sounds right. Mid-college or so, we decided, or we talked about, hey, we should do a Bruins show. Yeah, that sounds nice. Let's do that in like five, six years. Once we find the time. Get my life together. Yeah, and now that our lives are together and everything is perfect and everything is falling exactly where we want it to, we decided now's a great time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Now that the season has already taken off and we're a little behind, we got a little bit of catching up to do. But here we are. We are here. Um... That being said, there is like some stuff to catch up on because we're not just going to jump in here and 10 games into the season and act like the first 10 just didn't happen. Uh, if their record was a little different, maybe that would be a viable option. But I think these games are probably worth talking about, how we got into this place. And also, uh, who the fuck you are? Do you want to give people a how do you do? Yeah. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name's Rob, Rob Tachi. I've been following the, the Bruins pretty religiously for about 10 years now. I uh, got into hockey pretty late in the game, you could say, not until I was about 17 or 18 years old. Uh, I was lucky enough for my, my first time watching them being the 2013 playoff run. So my first playoff series that I got to enjoy was the Game 7 comeback against Toronto. And that hooked you for some reason? Uh, yeah, and it, it set an incredibly unrealistic standard for me going forward. I'm glad they didn't win now. I'm Honestly, not. what if no, no, you are glad. Yeah, no, you I'm are. super thrilled they lost the Stanley Cup. In you 20 really seconds. should be because if you had jumped on to not jumped on, but like came into the the fan base and immediately saw them win the cup, I don't think there would be as much value in it as once they do finally win. Oh, absolutely not. Uh, and abs- and including the 2019 run where I watched Game Seven at Faneuil Hall and nearly got into a fight with a stranger. Just it was just mutual frustration. No, it, it, it's a long story. Uh, mm. Where well, it's not a long story. The short story is the guy was being an asshole. Yeah, and I was pretty upset. Sure, you can imagine. Sure. Did you kill him? I'm not at liberty to say okay. at this time. All right. It's ongoing. Cool. It's an All ongoing right. investigation. So that, that's how the people are going to get to know you. You may or may not have killed a man. We can't really get into it. Uh, dude, I feel. Sorry that people have to say when they got into a team and like I I got on late because I, I know I'm speaking for you here but like it I know that you feel like you have to say that you know because hockey is a sport that if you didn't play from the time you were three years old like there's a gatekeeping aspect to it that is is really felt and it sucks you don't have to say that man no i You're absolutely as much of a fan as anyone else i know i absolutely do feel like it needed to be the first thing i said because if i didn't it would just be looming over yeah, it's me like some secret like i'm harboring like, this you awful get ahead of It'd be like 20 years from now and be like breaking news yeah. rob didn't watch Ooh. hockey until he was 18 like, he doesn't remember 2011 <laughs> It, it it does wear wear on me a little bit, knowing that I missed uh, like the early Bergeron years, I missed mm-hmm. the early Thomas years. Uh, I mean, I did get to avoid watching things like the Philly comeback yeah. uh, and basically just a lot of heartbreak from '95 until 2012. Mm-hmm. So I did feel like I did hop into a good time. It, I did. I do understand your point that it's probably for the best that I didn't see them win in the first year because it really wouldn't have meant very much to me. No, and now there would be no pursuit. You'd be chasing a dragon that's like, oh, yeah, I've, I've had the dragon. You know, now yeah. it's like a mystery dragon. Oh, it's so easy to win the cup. Like, <laughs> like what? it's the easiest yeah. trophy to win in sports, of course. Like, That's what everybody says. I read that um, somewhere. So, so here's, here's the thing, dude. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if anybody listening knows this. Uh, this offseason... And um, the preseason, I was a little busy. I was focused primarily on that team across town, Back Bay. Uh, they play outside in the summertime. 
My softball team. The, your softball team. Yes. I was focused primarily on the Boston Red Sox. So I knew of what was going on, but it wasn't getting my full attention. So for me, my expectations coming into the year sound like they're a little bit different than what yours are, but I want your kind of recall on what things felt like maybe two, three weeks ago before things kicked off. It was uncertain was probably the best way I could describe at least how I felt. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of I'm reason. judging off like TikToks where guys yeah. were like predicting the bees to win the cup. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'm I'm right with you. I, I was definitely not in the bees win the cup territory, but it did seem like the consensus was somewhere around like they'll be good, but not great. They'll probably mm-hmm. squeak into the playoffs. And is and that that's the just uh, strength of division? It's kind of that thing? too. The Atlantic is, uh, in my opinion, one of, if not the hardest divisions it's to play be in. It, it's ridiculous. There was a point this season where every single team was about 500. I mean, provided it's early in the yeah, season, six, but that's, that's still ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, so going into this season, it was, again, like the discussion was kind of like, okay, they're going to be roughly where they have been, where they're good enough to make the playoffs, but not great enough to make it far into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of uncertainty about Bergeron's return. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that I, I... forgot that was even a thing, dude. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I was like, I was kind of preparing you for the fact that like, hey, he might not come back. I completely was blocking that out of my mind. I refused to accept <laughs> that as a possibility. And then off of that, like, you know more uh, than anybody how much I love David Krejci. Yeah, I'm aware. And <laughs> whenever I would bring up any, any like shred of evidence that he may be returning your only response was don't get your hopes up don't do this and it was so late it was it was you were so late for giving that (laughs) advice so when it started to get more and more concrete that he was returning not only were you shocked by it but i was just like giving you like the oprah like i told you so meme look yeah but who could have actually foreseen that being a thing it sounds like david poster it sounds like such a pipe dream that he's playing in the check and it's like yeah he's just gonna come back to the nhl who does that like that's where you go to retire and the whole thing is that he went back home because he wanted to be around his family so like why would he possibly come back so yeah i don't i don't think i was out of line to write that one off i really don't he took a year-long working vacation is how i look at it he just dominated the Czech League. While being pretty vocal about how he didn't want to come back. Well, and this we'll get into this later, but I think a lot of it has to do with his frustration with being separated from David Pasternak. Fair. Uh, so when the roadblock that caused that was removed, ah. I think it was easier to incentivize him to return. Uh, sounds like there's a whole discussion to be had around that, Rob. <laughs> Hold on for that. But yeah, even beyond Bergeron and Krejci's possible return, there was still so many doubts about like okay well we have a new coach now yeah and it montgomery like had been fairly well established in the nhl like like a great winning record like he had his troubles and worked through it and there was still a lot of uncertainty about how he would show up to the boston Bruins organization and like how people would play under him mm-hmm. and truthfully when and i know we were on the same page with this when cassidy did get fired I was livid. I was oh, yeah. so mad with the Bruins' upper management. It was ridiculous. Like, I was calling for, and still kind of calling for, Sweeney and Neely to be fired. Because it just felt like an incredible failure. Like, you had a coach who had, like, what, like a 600, 650 winning percentage over five seasons? Mm-hmm. Like, how could you possibly just, like, say, we're all set, thanks. Yeah. Um, Especially and- when, I think people have kind of forgotten this, when he took over for Claude... He was supposed to be an interim coach, and he was liked so much and doing so well that he stuck around. It was like by his own merit that he earned the job. He was supposed to be a placeholder. So the fact that he also had that underdog story, obviously people here love that. So it was like from the second that he got here, people were on his side. And I think this is time. We should just dive into the discussion now. Yeah, we might as well. Yeah, we're here. Um... It has since come to light that perhaps uh, the players and other personnel around the team may have called for uh, Bruce Cassidy's exit. Which was a big shock to me. Same. Big shock. And I would imagine to most fans. Mm -hmm. uh, Because the NHL, I feel like, is famously good at 
being tight-lipped yeah uh, both with like player personality and like we were just joking about like the non-answers every players give during interviews Mm -hmm. but i think that kind of does extend outwards to more important things even more so Mm -hmm. like locker room vibes and like what the actual relationship is like between players and coaches you think you have a good idea because you see media stuff yeah parasocial relationships are very strong (laughs) yeah and like Bruce was a guy who was so good with the media and his public persona was so good. There was only clips, like fleeting clips that now look a little different than they may have at the time, mainly like behind the B clips that like like the way he talked in the locker room that maybe now you look at it, you're like, oh man, like is he putting this on for the camera? And like, oh, when does he not know a camera's in the room? What is he saying? Uh, but... Nah, man, without those clips, there would have been nothing to go off of. He he just seemed absolutely normal. And I don't know how much it's affecting the, the guys over in Vegas. They seem to be doing great. I mean, they're the second best team in the league behind yes, the Boston Bruins yeah. right now. Yeah, they're ridiculously so, good. It's really interesting, dude. I'll say this, um, that some of the things that I heard involved, like, players, uh, leaders, if you will, uh, having the take butch aside at times and and tell him we don't talk to guys like that you can't be talking to them that way or like this is not the way we discipline these guys like you can't be you can't be treating them like this and that is not at all the public persona that we saw so it's crazy how much a hive mind can latch around one idea and how far off it can be yeah, yeah, and to what you were saying about, in retrospect, looking at videos from, like, Behind the Bee, I now think about how direct Butch was in, like, mm-hmm. every press conference he ever did, mm-hmm. and how quick, not, I wouldn't say to throw a player under the bus, but almost in, like, that Tortorella, like, he's like, yeah, they weren't good tonight. Like, they didn't play well tonight. Mm-hmm. And even at the time, I was like, oh, I appreciate the transparency, like mm-hmm. the, the genuine cadence. Just because it's a stretch from the norm. Yeah, you know? and, and you don't really think about, at least I didn't as a fan, think about what that would look like to the player, like mm-hmm. within the locker room when your coach is just like putting you on blast to the media. Because like, yeah. you think that's like, it's not that uncommon, but at the same time, it's like, you know, maybe a time and place. Again, yeah. this is where I kind of have to do some guesswork because uh, I have yet to be drafted by the NHL, so I don't have firsthand experience. I say yet. I, I say okay. yet. Yeah, I was gonna say don't 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 I'm hopeful. beat yourself up, dude. As soon as I learn to skate, I really think <laughs> I got a good shot. Like Yeah, one thing at a time, man. But yeah, again, it it was pretty surprising when that started to break. Yeah. And as soon as it did, I, I looked at my own tweets being like, Oh, maybe I was uh wrong to say that this was not the right idea. <laughs> yeah. And of course we can say now in retrospect, as the Bruins are as we're recording this, eight one and oh to their historically great start. So like, yeah, oh yeah, of course Montgomery's a fantastic coach, mm-hmm. no doubt. And that, and again, it's not to say that when he did come in, I was like, oh, I don't think he's going to be good or I think he's going to mm-hmm. be great. It was like, I don't know. I didn't really have an opinion at all. All I was hearing was that f- people who had played under him only had great things to say. Which is who you want to ask. Absolutely. I mean, a, a former coworker of mine, I believe they played together at UMaine together. Oh. And he mm-hmm. only had incredibly positive things to say about him. Mm-hmm. So you almost like once like someone gets brought on like a new coach you like start doing a deep dive and it's like what should I expect out of this guy, and I couldn't find anything bad, mm-hmm. which was really promising. And I think when that was happening, I was still in my like I can't believe they fired Cassidy yeah. mindset. Yeah. But going forward, especially again now, like I, I love Montgomery as a coach for the Boston Bruins. Especially his system. It works so incredibly well. Okay, yeah, you brought this up. You brought this up to me earlier, but I wasn't listening. So can you run me through it again? So in reference to Montgomery's system, um, when I was doing that research, it included an article he wrote for the coach's site uh, where he talks about his system. And this is when he was the coach of uh, U Denver. Um, And he describes it as both simple and boring. I would agree with one of those things, uh, because I would say Bruins hockey as of late is anything but boring. Simple, yes, in a really great way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he he breaks it down to seven points in his uh, his seven-point process, Uh, one being 50 hits in a game. That's 
that's too many. It is too many. The Bruins, uh, before the game this evening, were averaging about 25 a game. That's, like, league average. That's very average, which made me question, is hitting just more prevalent within NCAA hockey? Which, if anything, I would think would be less. I don't know. Nor do I. I don't know. We only know the Bruins. <laughs> uh, second would be win 60% of our face-offs. Uh, they are uh, tie. They're in second place in the league with faceoff percentage. Uh, they're around fifty-seven to fifty-eight percent. Only Chicago leads them. When you have Patrice Bergeron leading the charge, who I think his average is like sixty percent over the last like ten years, like yeah, like you're probably gonna get that. But it's also saying we want a team average of sixty percent is like okay, everyone be as good as Patrice Bergeron in the yeah. faceoff circle. Like the best team in the NHL is not hitting sixty percent. No. It's like one of those things that's like, that's a great thing to shoot for, but like, mm. do not expect it. Yeah. Yeah. The, if, bring it down, Monty. 55. Yeah. What like, are we doing Let's here? be realistic here. Yeah. Uh, three is give Real up three in. or less odd man rushes. And I, I would say I believe that to be the case with the Bruins so I far. I mean, they break up a lot of They really do. Rushes. They never come to fruition. No. And again, it, it's when you have the likes of Hampus Lindholm and as of this season, really Derek Forbert. Like, I'm a yeah. big Forbert fan this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Last game, he had that really great stick play in the three on O. We read it perfectly. And he had to stick out in front of him and pivoted last second to break up the pass right in front of Swayman. Mm. It was perfect. And then and then take Swayman and Olmark, for example. Even if you do have the odd man rush, you have Olmark, who is six and O. Who is like got to be one of, if not the best, active goaltenders in the NHL this season? Mm-hmm. And then you have Jeremy Swayman coming up. Like when your backup is like your next generational talent of a goalie, you're doing pretty well. Like the Bruins yeah. have been using this like one A one B goalie system for quite a bit now. Mm-hmm. And I oddly wasn't a fan of it at first. Well, sure. I mean, because we'd been used to. An, a pure A goalie for quite some time. And one thing I would like to establish really early on mm-hmm. is if you don't think Tuka Rask was one of the greatest goaltenders in Bruins history, you're just objectively wrong. You're truly wrong. I, I It is baffling to me the amount of conversation centered around the idea that Tuka Rask wasn't great. He was 60 minutes away from a Consmite trophy in 2019. People is, forget that. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's strictly just stirring up discourse. It's like a conversation I don't even like to have. It's it's like akin to like, is Belichick not elite without Brady? It's like, are we just looking for conversation? That stuff is so yeah. lowbrow. That's how you fill radio hours. And there are people whose brains are too soft to recognize that and start making that part of their identity. And it's like they just heard it on the radio. And now, now that's an opinion that they have because they heard somebody say it whose job is sports. So it must be a real thing that I can really say. It'll make me sound like I know what I'm talking about. And then they start tweeting about it. And it's like nobody actually thinks that. That's how the morons filled time on the air. And now that's something that you attribute to being fact. It actually gets me riled up. And this is the last time we're talking about it until somebody comes on like a guest and brings it up. Or I'm going to get to this level every single time. My blood pressure is up. I got hot. My you ears are red. are red. You are red right I'm now. I'm red right now. I all thought right. I was going to be the one who animated cow. All right. In a way, I appreciate it because <laughs> it's basically they all hand like like Boston Sports Radio handed out hats to everybody in Boston. Mm-hmm. And when they start wearing that hat that says, I think Tuka Rask is a bad goaltender, I can immediately discount most of what you're going to say about the Bruins. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. a really great litmus test. And <laughs> yeah. then uh, I also would throw David Krejci in with that as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, less people with the Tuka discourse, but a lot of people seem to really not think David Krejci is a great hockey player. Huh. I have gripes with him. I don't think he shoots mm-hmm. enough. Sometimes mm-hmm. holds the puck a bit too long. Mm-hmm. He's so good. He's like one of the top 10 points in Bruins history. Mm-hmm. Like, he's phenomenal, and I will hear nothing to the contrary. Now I'm going to be the one getting red. <laughs> David Krejci means a lot to me. Odd uh, man rushes. N- number four. Number four. Commit to blocking shots. I think that's, I don't want to say a standard in the NHL, because there's definitely sure. a gradient of that. Yeah. If you got John Tortorella behind the bench, you better be blocking shots, yeah. or he's not letting you leave the rink after the yeah. game. Uh, and I'm going to bring up Derek Forward again because I've been doing a bit of a deep dive on his stats, and yeah. I'm just like, you're so, big in the Forward. I zone, really dude. am. Uh, like, there's something about like your top line and your top pairing where you're just you're like, yeah, like we know you're going to be great. Mm-hmm. Where it's almost like a given. 
So I, I, I'm focusing on the second pairing with Forbert and Clifton, who I'm really obsessed with so far mm-hmm. this year because I love Cliffy Hockey. Big fan of Cliffy Hockey. Yeah. Love his style, his speed, the hitting. I think he's grown a lot in his actual defensive game in the last few seasons. And it's really great to see. As, as a big fan of him, I'm, I feel like I'm watching my son grow up. <laughs> uh, the son that is only like two years younger than me. And But again, Derek Forbert, last season he had over 100 blocks, or he had exactly 100 blocks, 39 mm-hmm. of which were on the penalty kill, which is awesome. Yeah. And again, I believe he's leading the team in blocks so far this year. Would make sense. It feels like it. There was like one game in the playoffs where he had like nine blocks, which is incredible. Yeah. Like, And they, they're really important ones, too. So he fit like this, uh, this Monty system in a couple of ways off the bat before Monty even showed up. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons I was saying that Montgomery fits the Bruins because the Bruins fit Montgomery, too. Yeah. Like, the roster that we have, I mean, they're so deeply talented, I, I believe that you could put most coaches behind the bench and they would find success. Mm-hmm. But Montgomery system just really gives a lot of freedom to the defense. Mm-hmm. A lot of trust, I think, is probably a good way of putting it. Where not only um, are they expected through the seven-point system to be committing to blocking, which they are, mm-hmm. but it also allows for a really great transition game mm-hmm. where they're engaging so much more meaningfully this year in offense than they were in years past. Mm-hmm. It, I felt When we went from Claude yeah. to Butch, mm-hmm. it felt like the, the kids were let loose because mm-hmm. Claude refused to give any of the young guys ice time mm-hmm. or at least the ice time that most fans were looking for he was like oh we're down a goal with a minute left you better put gregory campbell out on the ice like he better be out there and so when we got cassidy it felt like we're like oh finally we're loosening him up a bit mm-hmm. and it felt like another step in that direction going from cassidy to montgomery but for the defense specifically this mm-hmm. time and when you have the likes of charlie mcavoy whenever he may return and hampus Lindholm and Connor Clifton and Matt Grizzlick and these really fast, great puck-moving defensemen, I think that really does well for the team, mm-hmm. clearly. I mean, how many defensemen have already scored this year? So many. I mean, the Bruins have, what, so 15, 15 or 16 different goal scorers in the first nine games? Yeah. And take, take tonight's game example. Look at Matt Grizzlick's opening goal. Yeah. That laser, that wrist shot top mm-hmm. right. That I mean, it's a winger's goal. It's a forward's goal. Yeah, that doesn't look like a defenseman. No. That looks like a, a winger that got out of place. And it, it mimicked perfectly Lindholm's goal from a few games ago, mm-hmm. where he took a shot, it was blocked, he collected it again, walked in closer, and took an identical shot going top right. Mm. And I don't think you would have seen that as consistently under Cassidy I mean, as you, you do didn't. with Montgomery. No, we, we literally didn't. didn't. Yeah. Uh, All right, give me with this this next point here. Uh, number five, yeah. win the special teams battle. Win the Stanley Cup. These are <laughs> like that's kind of like at a certain point it's just like step one through seven, be the better hockey team. Yeah, uh, but I mean, score for, more goals. I think we should hit them hard. Yeah, for but for special teams, I, I would say I mean the penalty uh, penalty kill is phenomenal. They're tied for second in the league. Yeah, and power play is creeping up, especially with Marshan coming back. I was saying that before Marshan uh, his his game that he came back against the Red Wings, our power play was at like nineteen percent, and after that game it was at twenty five percent. Yeah, that's not to say that it was all Marshan, though it might be. It, we it certainly, it certainly was. was part of it. Yeah, so I think the special teams is unlocked. I think that's always been a pretty good strength. For the Bruins, almost an expectation mm-hmm. that like the penalty kill's always been good. They always have like the bottom six is really important for the mm-hmm. penalty kill. Um, my mind just goes to Chris Kelly every time I think of the penalty kill. Just that like grittier, hardworking, stick position, body position guy. Where like he's not really there to score goals, but he's gonna do everything he can to prevent the other team from doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six, win the net front battle. Again, these seem to get a bit more obvious they get, as they, they go get along. More and more yeah. gray as we yeah. go here, which is fine. He did say simple. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think they do a pretty good job of that. Um, they don't have the bruisers that they used to, but I don't think they really need that. The mm-hmm. NHL is not as physical as it yeah. was about five to ten years ago. It's still physical. It's still the NHL. Yeah. You're still going to get cleared out from the crease if you're there for too long. Uh, but, yeah, I, I feel like that's not been a, a weak spot for the Bruins so far. And then seven, and the last one is take zero undisciplined penalties. And again, like yeah, like every every team's looking for that every game. Yeah, I mean this is a this is a list of yeah no shits a lot, you know. But 
I mean, if you adhere to it, like, yeah, you're probably going to win most of your games. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those, yeah, no kiddens. But, like, when you break it down piece by piece, you're like, well, yeah, these are each thing. If you can check each one of these boxes at the end of the game, you're probably on top. Yeah. Um, and it's a team that, like, right now out of the gate, like, nine games in, there's none of those that I'm like, okay, well, they need to work on this one big time. I mean, maybe the undisciplined penalties, but, like, doesn't every team take one or two undisciplined penalties? Trent Frederick comes to mind. Trent Frederick. I'm a Freddy guy, mind. too. I, lo- I do love me some Freddy, but uh, mm-hmm. the boarding hit wasn't great. Um, and not Frederick, but, like, any, like, delay a game penalty, it's just, like, you shake your head and you're like, come on. Like, mm-hmm. that's... I, I'm not a big fan of that penalty to begin with because I don't think there's been many times in the history of that penalty where someone threw it out deliberately to stop something, like mm-hmm. stop like an offensive rush. So I, I, I'm not a, the biggest fan of it. But but again, yeah, don't take penalties, and uh, you'll probably win more games. Probably win. Yeah, who's to say? Um, do you want to get into this game now? Yeah, I think we're... So I, think, I, think, <laughs> I, think I would imagine most Montgomery of our system. shows... I'm just going to go out on a limb here and guess that most of our shows are going to be game recaps and uh, breaking down things, kind of gut reaction... I would like to, I mean, I'm just going to talk to you right now like we're not recording. I would like to do, like, uh, like gut reactions, like, without even talking beforehand. Like, okay. Like, game like game ends, let's hop on, let's let's talk right now, you know? Like, like straight from the hip, how do we feel, what do we notice, like, whatever. Um, that's why we that's, sat in silence the whole game. That's why we've been sitting in silence all day today. Um, I've seen you twice in two days. Is that, that's my first note here. My first note on the game. I've seen you twice in two days. Is that too much? You're not going to see me for a while. It's gonna. We need a break. Um, all right. I got a lot of notes. I um, for anybody who hasn't listened in the past to other shows that I've done, I care a lot about just the broadcast. It's the presentation through which you're watching the game. So I'm going to criticize that just as much as I'm going to criticize the game because it's part of the product that I'm watching. It's like, what the fuck I tuned into, you know? So the first thing, you pointed this out to me, dude. They don't show the away national anthems anymore? Yeah. Nesson, what, what I don't, is that? I don't know what that is. It's been at least one or two seasons, very possibly longer than that. Because I do have memories of, of like commenting on like the person singing the anthem. I, re- I do too. And I don't, I know the postseason they do. Yep. But... I do, well, that would also not be Nesson. Well, the first, did the Nesson still get the first they round? They get the first round. Yeah. Most of the first round. So I don't I don't know what that's about. I don't love it, though. I no. don't love it because no. I like to see people sing the anthem. I like to see somebody new sing the anthem. In person, I always feel a little weird if it's somebody new, if it's not Todd. I want it to be Todd. Yeah, I want I it really to be Todd. I really want it to be Todd. I'm a little upset when it's not Todd. When it's not Todd, I'm like, But when it's not Todd, it's for like a really good reason, and I then I feel like an asshole. It's like it's National it. Firefighter Day, and here's a fireman who saved eight babies yesterday, and you're like, oh, I wanted Todd. Todd's tending bar. He's busy. Yeah. yeah. God damn. Um, all right. Let's let's talk about this. Let's get this out of the way. Are we talking about the camera angle? The camera angle in I hate Columbus. It. What I are really we doing? Hate it. That's not how you watch a hockey game. No, that's like uh, like a youth rink, dude. That's like standing in like the parent section of like a youth game. That's not how you view hockey. It's like ice level, like the glass obstructing your view. It's bad enough that I'm gonna sound old and I don't care. It's bad enough that we got the radioactive boards already throwing like. Geico lizards crawling They're across awful. the ice. That's a whole other discussion. Holy They're cow. terrible. That's bad enough, dude. But then to also have like the glass obstructing your view and like you said, not be able to see numbers on people's backs. It's hard. It it messes up your whole viewing experience. And it's also all I can think about every time they come back from commercial. And uh, I'm going to put them on blast. The Florida Panthers have the worst viewing angle in the NHL, and I've never seen it discussed. So I need to start that conversation. It's atrociously bad. You turned me on it. Again, what what bothers me somehow more than anything about this is that nobody talks about it. I don't know how nobody else noticed it. I will say it did take you bringing it up to me for me to notice. Once you said it, I was like, wait, yeah, this is awful. And I always forget about viewing angles in other arenas, and it's not until... 
the camera goes to puck drop and i'm like fuck yeah this is gonna this suck. is awful like i i'm just look I'm, I'm trying to look through the players to see the game or when like, like the color balances the white balance is off the color temperatures bad. like when the ice looks blue get me home call the my mom first few games of the season through nesson were so dark yeah yep. and i was watching yep. high okay and another thing that i need to get <laughs> upset about is if you and I don't know if you know this, we have not talked about this yet. Yep. If you watch the recaps mm-hmm. posted by NHL or Sportsnet on YouTube, mm-hmm. especially Bruins games, I don't know about other teams, but at least the Bruins, the audio is so incredibly out of sync every single game. I've never noticed this. The audio is, I would say, a full second, if not more, ahead of the video. Oh, that's bad. And it's like not fix it. It's bad. It's bad. And I don't know. It's like one thing if you post a video and you're like, oh, shit, we didn't we didn't edit that right. It's mm-hmm. been like ten, nine games in all of them. I'm assuming that tonight's game is also problematic mm-hmm. or out of sync. And you try to watch it. And it's like I didn't even notice it at first. I was like, it's kind of weird that they're cheering for a goal that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's just that like, is strange. That sucks. That's just bad production. Well, and they're so good at that. And it, it's that paired with the digital boards, paired with... Awful streaming services yeah. that are incredibly expensive, and the inclusion of more advertisements on the jerseys—it's mm-hmm. just a really depressing state for the league. I think it's ugly. It's not. It looks bad. Not even beginning to address Mullet Arena in Arizona. I don't. I don't even want to talk about it until like the bees are going there. I want to like try to forget everything I know about Mullet Arena until I'm face to face with it. I don't know if you've seen the photos of what the visitor area looks like. I for sure have. The my photos, God. the videos. Oh my God. It's My two-bedroom Boston apartment would be more welcoming to a the, visiting team. The idea that it looks any like an NHL warehouse. team is put in that situation is dog shit. So like the fact that they are making the most out of a bad situation, I can commiserate with. However... This never should have been okay. You know, and if you look at other leagues, other leagues, like other major sports, have terrible um, uh, stadiums and facilities, but they're actively trying to get away from them, you know? And, like, the league, the these respective leagues are vouching for their teams and trying to raise money to get them out of these bad situations, namely, like, the Oakland Coliseum. You know, the, the, the Raiders got out of there because, I mean, this thing's falling apart. And now MLB is stepping in to help the Oakland A's because they're like, this is not MLB okay. And it is way better than Mullet Arena from the things that I have seen. From the capacity to just uh, amount of facilities. Forget the quality, dude. It's, it's tough. ASU shouldn't be put in this position. The Yotes shouldn't be put in this position. No traveling team should be put in that position. I will say, if you're a betting man or woman or person, you got to take the Yotes at home every game, right? Am I crazy? Oh, no, absolutely. That's a really uh, concentrated fan base there. Mm-hmm. And they're reserving X many tickets per game for ASU students, and they're $25 a ticket. And they are going to have a drum line. That's that's like I, they're making the best of a awful situation. I do feel worse for the Coyotes more than anybody because that's your home arena. Yeah. Even like the home facilities are brutal. But like, imagine if they go the whole year and they get to look back and say like, "We expected this to be awful, but our fans made it great." Like, I was how looking cool to go that? to a game mm-hmm. because it feels like one of those things that in like fifteen years. And someone's gonna be like, "You know, like Arizona played at like a five thousand person arena." Be like, "Yeah, I was there." It was yeah, amazing. It does. It does seem like something you should enjoy while it's here. It's Mullet Arena, dude. They play that, a that, five thousand seat Mullet Arena. The rotten cherry on the Sunday. Not even rotten. I actually genuinely enjoy Mullet Arena yeah. as a former Mullet owner myself. <laughs> former Mulleteer. Yes, uh, it's the New Hampshire in me. But it's it's. I can't imagine the dirt that the state of Arizona has on Gary Bettman. That he just absolutely refuses to move this franchise. He refuses to let them die. Like and like, I know the NHL has been very mobile recently, and they've expanded a lot in the last few years with Vegas and now Seattle. Mm-hmm. 
But there's got to be so many more markets that are better than Arizona. And it's I, so I see big. this as a Coyotes fan, too. They're my second team. It's like the third or fourth biggest, or it's not the third. It's either like the fourth or fifth largest metro area in the United States of America. Is the Phoenix metro? This is the second time tonight you've dropped U.S. population stats on I me that I just disagreed with. I love population. Why do so many people live in Ohio? What's going on there? What are you guys doing there? Why are you guys the seventh most most populated state? <laughs> Why are you guys doing that? What are you guys there for? They're up to something. It's fishy, bro. I'll say that. It. Top down, it's fishy. So many people are in Ohio. Why are you guys all in Arizona too? What are you guys all doing yeah. around the Phoenix area? Get out of there. Yeah. Strange. You know what? Now, now I'm curious what the camera angle at Mullet Arena is going to be like. Probably great. You know what? Just the, put GoPros you, on the refs. You know what like, the ice looks like? Like that arena looks like is like if Nickelodeon had a game show called Ice Hockey. Is what it looks. Did they like. not? Didn't did Michael? Ever, did Michael Malley not host? That? <laughs> did like, you watch those as a kid? Like, uh, oh yeah, guts. Yeah, guts yeah. and uh, the Hidden Temple, the Legend of the Hidden Temple, and Absolutely. like all those like. Those were great, dude. Yeah, and Nickelodeon had, Gas. Gas. Yeah. I was going to say they had Absolutely. a channel dedicated yeah. to just those. Like that arena looks like a soundstage where they're shooting like a Nickelodeon. Every time they score a goal, show. slime falls on the ice. Let's go. Why it takes not? 45 minutes to get it hey, off. They're making the most of a bad situation. Zambonis are making it so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? They're taking a bad situation and they're making the best out of I'm it. I'm proud of them. I'm really proud of them. I am. Now, um, you know who's not a, a fan base who's rallying around a team who really needs them? Who's that? The Columbus Blue Jackets, dude. Is there a single solitary human soul on this planet who gives a single piece of shit about the Columbus Blue Jackets? Have you ever met one person who's like, yeah, I'm a Blue Jackets fan? I've never met anybody from Ohio. That's not true. Are you from Ohio? Yeah. I've met one person from Ohio. I've never been to Ohio. I feel like you've withheld that from me. I'm not from Ohio. Don't tell. Don't. I never said that. Don't tell people I said that. I'm not from Ohio. I've never been to Ohio. Ugh, I've flown over Ohio. Have I been to Ohio? I don't think so. What's Ohio? I've never heard of her. I heard Ohio. I hardly know her. Um, <laughs> okay. Jeez, Louise. But no, I, I know. Um, I've never met a Blue Jacket fan. No. And even if I did, you? I would be like, "You're a plant. I'm like you don't exist. Like you're a fictional character." There's no way. I was watching somebody did it. It was some TikTok. Some Ohio person made about like, oh, uh, like all my teams. Like it was like. The Cavs, the Buckeyes, um, the the Browns, and it was like everybody's favorite. And, and it was like as they're in the the Guardians, and I was like, "There's no chance that, that anybody cares about the Blue Jackets. I've never seen them included with these teams." You know, and it's a shame because not this season because they're bad, but they seem like a fun team to be behind. Why? I don't Why would know. you say that? I don't know. Like they like, seem like nothing. They're they're <laughs> named after just like I like the color scheme, like, blue and red. It works. Yeah, they're, I, they're, they're the first team to do it too. It's just like the most generic colors. Their name is nothing. The only thing that like stands out about them is that they have a cannon and they're the only show in town except for college football. It's it's the love I hold for their old third jerseys, the one that had the cannon on the front instead the, of that oh, like I thought, I thought awful star crest. I really dislike their main logo. I think they should just do the cannon full time. I hated that that star B thing. No, it that looks they used bad. That, that CJB thing. It looks like a, a trophy you would get at a corporate office. Yep. For doing something that you really don't care about. Yep, that's that's good. That's good. It kind of looks like uh like a fuck like a um I don't have one. That's fine. I don't fine. have one ready to go. That's fine. Mine was just good we'll edit for both something of us. In. Can we edit something in? Does I sound good? Would just like clearly edit it in. Yeah, what should we edit in? Can um, you say something better? No. I struggle to come up with one. Oh, damn. All right. Scratch I don't care cut about that, the Columbus that, Blue that, Jackets. Cut that, cut, cut that, that, cut that. Cut Nobody that. cares about the Columbus Blue Jackets, dude. Um, they're just a team. They're just unsexy. There's just nothing sexy about that team. They seem like a filler. They're like, yeah. oh, shit, we only have 31 of 32 teams. Uh, uh, the Columbus Blue, Blue Shirts. shirts. <laughs> oh, ja- Jacket Works. That's fine. Yeah, care. Jacket, That's Jacket, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, dude, it, during the broadcast today, they show uh, the... Um, you know, lobby of Blue Jacket Arena. What is that place called? It doesn't matter. Nobody knows. It really doesn't matter. And uh, there's a sign that says, let's go jackets. 
And I was like, do they call them the... People are like, let's go jackets. I'm, I'm a, a jacket fan. fan. I'm a jacket fan. I'm a huge jacket head. I love fall weather. Me, I'm a, yeah, my dad was a jackets head. I'm a jackets head. My brother's a jackets head. We're all season ticket holders. There's no way a single person's a season ticket holder. I'm sorry. But, what, dude, when I worked at Lumberland, um, my good friend Johnny was a, a, a big just all-around sports fan. And we did a thing of, like, try to name the 124 major sports teams couldn't do it and he got 123 i'm gonna go out on a limb the columbus <laughs> blue jackets 124 would be and i the I, fictional team and it was like we gave him like 10 minutes to do it and it was like there was like 30 seconds left and i was like dude it's a hockey team in ohio like, i'll tell you that <laughs> they play in columbus <laughs> and he's like they have a jacket and that he is. ran through the city he's like there's not a team in cleveland there's not a team in cincinnati there's not a team in columbus there's not a team in toledo and akron yeah what's up with ohio it, having so many major cities too well lower and major but i don't know dude that's there's something going they're on just there. it's just indiana with a couple bigger cities that's all it is I don't care for it. No, no, thank yeah. you. Not for me. But go. yeah, what, what I'm getting at is that they're they're irrelevant. And um, Johnny Gaudreau made the mistake of his life. Uh, speaking that. of the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, the Boston Bruins defeated the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, four to nothing to improve that the record to eight one and zero. Did it say four? Four to nothing. Thought, I thought that might have. Yeah, we got fifth goals. I lost track of all those goals. Uh, luckily for you, I wrote them down. Okay, we started with the, the Matt Grizzly goal, the one that I was mentioning earlier. Yeah, that wrister, which like the it, off of his stick. You just watch that hit the corner, and I just I, I made a sound that I couldn't reproduce if I wanted to. It's just so nice, and I really root for Matt Grizzlick as well. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. He had a rough season last year, especially in the playoffs, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Almost a liability, which is a shame because the year before, he was great. Like There were so many games that they ended, and I was like, what a game for Matt Grizzlick. Mm-hmm. Like, what an important game for Matt Grizzlick. So to see him coming back and have four points in his first five games back, that's awesome. Big fan of that. Yeah, it seems like a system that's going to benefit him. And a, yes, a more absolutely. offensively minded coach. Yeah, which is yeah. great because if you have a younger, smaller, faster defenseman, that almost always translates to puck moving, offensively minded. So if you don't let them off the leash a little bit, then you're never going to see their full potential. Mm-hmm. And I believe he's been being paired with Lindholm for the most part. Yeah. And Lindholm himself, I have a lot to say about Hampus Lindholm. I I did not know him Mm -hmm. at all when he was in Anaheim. Mm -hmm. Blown away by how good Hampus Lindholm is. I felt dumb when I didn't know who he was. When I saw the trade and people were like freaking out about Hampus, I was like, are people watching a lot more West Coast hockey than I am? I don't. Because I felt dumb. I went and watched like three minutes of highlights and was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, right. it, did, it took like two games for me to be like, "This I is fantastic." It. Yeah, and then we we had immediately locked him down for what, like eight years. So we we have uh, what I affectionately refer to as Champus Lindavoy for the next eight years. Love that. Thank you. Which is fantastic. Like that is like one of the reasons I wasn't super worried about the Bruins this year mm-hmm. because at the very least you're going to get like 24 minutes every night from. Charlie McAvoy, like, what more can you say about how talented Charlie McAvoy is as a player? And then you get in this stud Hampus Lindholm, big body, fast, responsible, amazing transition game, great vision. Just like one of those guys that when you're on the ice, you're not worried. You're not yeah. like, there's no, like, you're no tensing up, no, like, kind of leaning forward when there's, like, a one-on, like, a two-on-one or something like that. You're like, no, it's, it's Hampus. He'll be all right. Yeah, he's got it. Never really worry about it. No. So, but yeah, but to Mac, back to Mac like them being paired together, I think it, it kind of gives him more reign because you have the more responsible veteran presence with Lindholm mm-hmm. that it gives Grizzly even more freedom. And I think he's using that really well. Mm-hmm. And then for the second goal, we had that Charlie Coyle shorthanded backhand. Charlie uh, Coyle is un- alive. Unreal. He he's is unreal. alive and well the last few games. He is a different guy. He seems a little tapped. He seems like he just like put monster energy into his eyes. And it's working. It's working. There's it's just strange. Some of the things that he's doing is is strange. He doesn't seem like the guy I knew. Well, he he seems to have these bursts that last for 3 to 5 weeks. Mm-hmm. There was a month last season where that third line it was Frederick Coyle Smith 
was the best line on the Bruins. Their yeah. possession yeah. was insane. Like you, if they were on the ice, they had the puck. And I think Charlie Coyle is one of the best puck protectors in the NHL. Incredibly biased take, I am aware. But when his possession game is on, and more importantly lately, his speed, mm-hmm. what a dangerous third-line center to have. Yeah, we were just talking about how, how deep the team was the other day. Dude, like, looking at Charlie Coyle and being like, that's our third-line center is obnoxious. It really is. It's an insult to a lot of other teams. I'm going to out you right now yeah. because uh, I love to make you eat crow over this. When Please we do. first signed him. Oh, my God, 20- dude. Don't even. Because <laughs> in I, 2019, you were living. 2019. Well, it wasn't even that, like, oh, we got Coil. It was just that we got a guy that wasn't a big name right mm-hmm. when we were about to make a playoff push. Yeah. And then go figure that he was, like, one of the most important pieces in the Bruins playoff run that year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Which listen, is like, there was a lot of bigger fair. names on the table at that time. And, yeah, I was upset that... I was upset that it was Charlie Coyle. We we pulled a diamond from the rough that was Minnesota. What did I say? You were just upset. I remember, it was clearly like it was an all caps tweet, just being upset. Like, oh yeah, the Bruins make a push at the trade deadline and they go and get Charlie Coyle. And then it was like six weeks later, I was replying to the tweet, being like, "Are you ready to like eat crow over this yet?" And I'm like, <laughs> and you're like, "No." Listen, it's been three years. I'll take it now. There we go. Now we're talking. Yeah, there it is. But yeah. So again, Charlie Coyle, when he is on, is so important to the bottom six forwards success mm-hmm. i think like he is a really good pace setter i mm-hmm. think like of course you're going to get bergeron and now Krejci mm-hmm. really setting the tempo in the the, the top six mm-hmm. but there's just something about when coil's on that it, it's like when you it's a really big mismatch for most teams mm-hmm. for third line centers and we have charlie coil coming at you yeah and again like a, a short-handed beautiful backhand shot like that that's just and you can see it on his face. He was stoked about that. Dude, and speaking of shorthanded, the Columbus Blue Jackets, oh, no. up until this game and through the end of this game, have yet to score a power play goal. They are 0 for 16. Awful. And that 16 number, I made up, but it sounds right, doesn't it? <laughs> Didn't even doubt it. No, yeah, it sounds oh, right. Was, you looked at your phone. I was it's really somewhere, impressed. It's somewhere around there, Usually maybe. I'm the number guy. Hmm? Said so usually I'm the numbers guy, and and now uh, I'm no, in charge no, of the numbers why. because I make them up. Uh, yeah, so no power play goals for uh, Columbus. Um, I did get nervous on the first penalty kill, um, and then seconds after that penalty ended is when Grizz scored. So it was like they scored immediately, uh, immediately after getting the even strength, and then they scored shorthanded shortly after that so it was like i was worried about being the team that finally allows columbus's first power play goal which is like you don't want to be even if you're gonna go nine and one and or eight and one and even if you're you're gonna beat this team to a pole like you just don't want to be the first team to allow no a goal like you want to just keep the streak going and like see how long that can go and it was funny like the second i got nervous the bees were like, don't even bother, dude. Like, you're good. And because hockey goals. is funny, of course they're going to score on the best team in hockey because that's just what's going to happen. At a certain point, I was more worried about us letting them score a power play goal than I was actually losing the game. Yeah, like, that was yeah. more important to the team's ego to me. But the second, like, that coil back, uh, shorthanded goal, backbreaker. Like mm-hmm. you said, like, the, the Grizzly goal coming, like, pretty much right after killing a penalty, followed by. <laughs> Followed by scoring on them shorthanded on home mm-hmm. ice when they're already struggling. They just came off a 6-3 loss to Arizona. They're not doing great. They're the worst team in the Metro division, the worst team in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. I think they're 28th in the league going into this game. Yeah, One of the only teams below them was Arizona, and they lost 6-3 to them. That, that's awful. That, that's got to hurt. Mm-hmm. And then third goal, the Jake DeBrus breakaway. feels like Easy. Jake gets a breakaway, if Easy. not two, every game. Every How, game. Yeah. I don't I don't know what Jake is doing to put himself in these situations, but it's poke I check, think there's honestly. It's gotta be stick work, dude. I I've gotta go back and like look at example by example how he gets himself in these situations. But Jake is always on a break. Jake's on a break. It's it you pair his straightaway speed, his acceleration mm-hmm. with the improved defensive game. Really specifically his poke check. It's always like the other team is set up in the offensive zone and Jake just makes a really great poke check on the line and mm. separates in just that one burst and he's gone. Like you're not catching him unless yeah. you're, a, you are one of the faster skaters in the NHL. You're not catching him. Mm. 
That goal looks so easy. It, he makes it look so easy. He always does, except for the times where he's like collapsing as he shoots. Yeah. But he, yeah. It, it just looks so effortless. Remember when Jake wasn't going to be here and now he's here? Incredible. Uh, yeah, that? I mean, we could tie that back to the, the whole Cassidy thing. Like, that's not really a secret either. Yeah, I don't think that's a secret at all. But that, that makes me so happy. And it was it was so awkward when that did happen because you, like, basically requested a trade. And it kept getting dragged out and dragged out. And basically everyone was like, oh, no, a couple, two to three weeks, two to three weeks. He'll probably be gone. And then it's it like, just, wait, Jake he wasn't going here. anywhere. It's like, oh, no, he's scoring a lot of goals. And then under Montgomery, it was just like, no, nah, I'm good. I'll, st- I'll, I'll stick around. Nah, I'll, I'll, I'll stick around. You call my bluff. Like, I'm not leaving. It's fantastic. And that's another guy that it's so good to see him succeed. Because by all accounts, J.D. is a massive locker room guy. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves J.D. And he's got to just have the biggest personality. I once saw him walk by the restaurant I worked at in Seaport. It was the Mm. highlight of my day. I know he lives down there. Yeah, I think a lot of the team does. A lot of those guys live there. And in the North End. I waited on Andre Bjork once. So you know the celebs are out. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The, the I, big I truly, And I will take this time to say I've never met a nicer sports player. Than Anders Bjork. Yeah. I mean, I will also tack on the asterisk that he's the only one that I met. He was with his parents. They, they were incredibly sweet. Thanksgiving, waiting tables. Didn't want to bother him. Just kind of made like a, a little comment. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I ID'd him. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, I, I, I'm a fan. I should probably know if you're 21. Mm. And I walked away, and they called me back. Super nice. Took they were a photo. Like, a fan of what, dude? Say it. <laughs> of what? Your poetry. Thank you. No, called me back. You know, more than Took a, a photo player, you know. I'm a guy. I'm an artist. Yeah, crazy humble. Super nice family. Mm-hmm. I, I was just looking for an opportunity to tell the world that Anders Bjork and his parents are incredibly nice. That you ran into Anders. Uh, you know, it's uh, not a big deal. Not a big deal. But yeah, depressed. Big locker room guy, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I, it's one of those things when he's succeeding. I think that really does well for the rest of the team. I think that that's a bit of a boost. He's like one of those guys that like you're really rooting for. So when he's doing well, you're doing well. I didn't want Jake to leave. I didn't either. I was kind so of coming to terms do. with it, but I'm really glad that he is sticking around. Yep. And then we end with the David Posternock goal. Just doing David Posternock stuff. Just the Posternock. Just goal. I'm just going to shoot this puck so hard. It doesn't even matter that you're in the way of it. Like <laughs> it's still going to get through the, you. Yeah, I mean the, the all the notes should be Pasta scores a, a David Pasternak goal. Yeah. And as we're recording yeah. this, he's leading the league in points. He has uh, 16 points in nine games. Too many? Too many. Too too many. Too too many. And that's seven goals and nine assists. That's fantastic. Pay the man. Just pay the man. I'm just not worried about it. Again, I'm, I ju- I'm just uh, not worried about it. Oh, I am. Just it, not it, worried the, about it. it the can conversation you see it happening? How can much money would you like to make? Yeah, and that's what they'll do. They'll pay him. I don't know why I just have this crazy comp. Listen, okay. There are certain things about certain teams in this city that I just always feel, and I'll never not feel. And it's like this, my feeling about the Celtics year in, year out, all through the year up until June is nothing. I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect me, right? In June, I'll tune in. If you guys are still playing, I'll tune in in June. With the Patriots, it's like, I have my fill. I don't care if they're good or not. They can do whatever they need to do. I've had my fill. I've had six Super Bowls, and they were so yummy, yummy, yummy. I climbed up light poles. I flipped cars. I'm good. You know? No, I didn't, I mean. And with the, the Bruins and the Red Sox are have always been my 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 top two teams in, in this world. And it is they are very, very opposite feelings that I have about both of them. Expand on that. The Bruins are... Always in it. Inexplicably, honestly. And I never believe it until it's there. As a team, as a like performance, I'm not gonna believe it till you do it. Like they've gotta be there and prove it for me to believe it. But management wise, GM operations wise, I just trust that they're gonna do the right thing for whatever reason. I just don't see a reality. In the current state of the Bruins, where young, talented, peaking players are not going to get their shot. I know that there have been some things that they may have done that isolated the fan base in one way or another. You know, Chara, I don't know if they handled that all too great. Uh, The Butch thing, like we said, like without knowing all the details, we were 
pretty split on that hard thing to support but there's something about the year in success the year in being in it and the the amount of attention that the team receives that I just don't see them pulling out at all I just don't see it the Red Sox I feel the exact opposite way it's like Dude, you could, guys could go win the World Series, and then the very next year you're going to let Mookie Betts walk, and then you're going to let Xander be on the brink of walk, and then you're going to let Devers be on the brink of walking. But this is not a Red Sox show. I, and maybe it's because my brain is so clouded by that Red Sox stuff that I'm like, they are letting all of this terrible shit happen, and all that they have to do is open their fucking checkbook, and it would be over, and everyone could shut up, and like the games could just happen. But I just don't see the Bruins getting themselves in that situation. Maybe it's a blind confidence thing, because all I keep saying is that I just see it then and feel that way. But that's the way I feel. And the difference there, too, uh, also being a cap and no cap. Yo, there's there's no cap, bro. That's how I feel. <laughs> no cap. No cap at all. Yeah, it, the Bruins aren't in the, the best spot in terms of the salary cap. Enough where we need, when we bring in and out Brad Marchand, that we need to be sending guys up and down for Providence. It'll be the same thing with McAvoy returns. And Mac, McAvoy is the, the most expensive contract in Boston Bruins history. And you better fucking believe that when the Boston not contract hits, and I'm just telling myself it will, mm-hmm. uh, easily, easily breaking McAvoy's. Yeah. Yeah. In the offseason, in my head, a team-friendly deal, eight years, $10 million. And that's insane. A team-friendly deal to me was making $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. I, I could really see him hitting between 11 and 12. 12, and again, bearing in mind that the salary cap will be increasing this offseason. So By years, at least $1 million, if not four. 10 years, $11 million? I think it's eight years. I think yeah. still think eight years. Um, I, I only because that's basically what McAvoy and Lindholm are here for, mm-hmm. uh, and that would get him until he is thirty-four, which is honestly pretty wild to think about. Mm-hmm. But there's no way that he's not making. Why not? At why least not? Why not those extra two years? Keep why, why not ten? Why not? Thirty-six. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, it Kovalchuk that had the ten-year contract? That worked out. Most of them do. A long weekend. Rick DiPietro, he yeah. had a 15-year contract. It worked out. He got paid every dime of it. So it worked out Can for we just him. sign him indefinitely? Just We just keep paying every year until we just we're like, no, we're good. Like an at-will? Yeah. Like a per diem? i got to gotta talk to his agent. I think we're on to something here. Yeah. But yeah, again, David Pasternak, like, what more can you say about what an incredible talent? I remember his first game with the Boston Bruins. It was against the Penguins. It was my freshman year of college, our freshman year of college, I left class early to watch the game. Mm-hmm. I, I went up to my professor and I was like, I need to leave early today. He was like, okay, I don't care. This is a hundred person lecture. I, I do not care. Who are you? And I sat in uh, the building on, on campus where you could watch the games because we didn't have them in the dorms. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I did it because I knew that this guy was special. Every We all did. Like I, I even remember watching the only highlights available for him on YouTube were just like random like check league stuff mm-hmm. and it would be like oh he's got a good shot that's good mm-hmm. and then like fast forward like nine years and it's like every year it's like well david Pasternak, yeah like leading the league like it's crazy huh? it's amazing it's so great and it's awesome to see because like he just seems like he's such a fun guy to watch both on and off the ice mm-hmm. and just being able to root for the team that has david Pasternak on it is so exciting he, he's so creative so dangerous mm-hmm. and so silly too and sometimes that like translates. Like I think he even has a quote. He's like, even I. He's like, even I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like <laughs> the way he skates off the ice sometimes when like during like a line change after a whistle is the same way like a, a peewee skates off the ice when like they don't want their shift to end yet. He like drops shoulders and sways his head and skates like, oh, are you kidding me? Like why are we changing? Mm. I, I want to stay on the ice. And he definitely has like that that little kid thing about him. It's just an easy team to root for. I really like this team kind of through and through. And it's it's going to be so fun to flip more cars this year after they win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, absolutely. And we're in an, an incredible position to sit here and talk shop about a team that is just hilariously good. Like I, other than the Krejci injury, which mm-hmm. we can speculate on if you would like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what much of a weak points this team has right now. We're eight one and zero. We've only had Marshand. I would say our best forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair for one game. 
Uh, Brad Martian is currently leading the league in points per game, by that the way. True. Three points per game. Small sample size, but I still think it's valid. And we're still without our best defenseman. That's yeah. insane. That's nuts. Your best your best player in each end of the ice is just not there. And you're there. still like leagues ahead. Like we yeah. could go 500 for the rest of the season and probably still make the playoffs. <laughs> That's crazy. We're, mean, we're on cruise wrong. control. I mean, it's early to be on cruise control, dude. Well, I'll of course. tell you that. I'll tell but, you that because you can't you can't be feeling like that nine games in. No, and but honestly, even if you look at the league standings, like all all mm-hmm. teams, most of the dangerous teams are on the West Coast right now. Mm-hmm. The next best team in the Eastern Conference after the Boston Bruins is the Philadelphia Philly? Flyers. And they're five and two, five two and zero. Oh. It's a really good record. Mm-hmm. I and honestly, Tortorella five like, two and zero, oh, five two and zero, oh. right? Yeah. Uh, John Tortorella in Philadelphia is such a good match. I was shocked to learn that he had not already coached the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, he's only I would have put money down left. that he probably started his career in Philadelphia. It seems like he's only got a couple of teams left to click off the box <laughs> anyway, dude. He's got like three, four left. What an entertaining man. Would uh, never want him to coach the Boston Bruins, but no, I, I, I no, love that he's no. involved in the league still. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Same thing with like Daryl Sutter. It's like Th- that's through awesome several inches of glass. I want to watch John Tortor- Tortorella coach a hockey team. Yeah. But again, um, so I was looking forward to our next few games, or the Boston Bruins' next few games. So they play the Penguins on the first on Tuesday. The Penguins are four two and one, mm-hmm. not a bad record. Not a bad record. And then we play the Rangers three three and two, and then the Toronto four three and one. Those are decent records. All right, not bad. Seen better. But we, it's just like the juxtaposition between four two and one against eight one and zero. Oh. I'm like, I'm not worried. No. No. You know, complacency, but I don't play for the Boston Bruins, so I can get complacent. It's fine. It has very little effect on the team. But there, it, it, there's just like this instantaneous confidence that we have so far with this Boston Bruins it's not team. Unfounded. It's not unfounded. No, it's not. And w- w- what I've been describing the Bruins as so far in their play is sustainable. They're, this isn't like some like weird flash in the pan. Like They are getting scoring from up and down the lineup. The only thing that I would say might... It's probably the least sustainable is how well Allmark has been playing. Six and zero, oh. but but you don't really need him to be no because oh here's Jeremy Swayman exactly. like like one of the better gold younger goaltenders in the NHL as well like you we don't have a, a starter and a backup we have two starters that we just like oscillate between what an incredible privileged position to be in I can't think of a better time to start a. Bruins podcast. So I'm very we should stoked do that. for this. We should. I was going to say that. I'm busy. We should. We should do that in six years. Um, I'm, it, it's like it. It's like every 27 years, we'll give it a go. I love I like that. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys on the next episode, which is going to be in six months. Um, I actually am good to wrap up unless you got some other stuff. I only had one other note, and it was that Jack Edwards' hair is getting kind of gross. I, I disagree. Uh, I love Jack um, Edwards. I told him he was a bona fide stallion. And he really enjoyed it. Do, do you think Jack ever leaves his house without a suit on? I think he sleeps in a suit. I can picture him with like a um, like a pom pom, you know, like a, one of like a nighty hat. No, he sleeps like Ebenezer Scrooge. Yes, he's yes. yeah. No, he so, has a candle mm-hmm. stick holder <laughs> and a nightcap and pinstripe and he, pajamas. And he yells in his sleep. Probably. It's a ghost. Or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. He he just is like doing monologues about the Revolutionary War in his sleep. <laughs> but no, other I don't uh, think I, I was thinking the other day about like running into Jack at like a Dunkin' Donuts, and I was like, "There's no way he I just would shake just, his hand." He's like, "There's no way he would have a like a T-shirt on." Picture Jack Edwards in a T-shirt right now. No, can you do it? No, I don't want to. It's gross. It's not possible. Right? wrong like a he's, star trek it, t-shirt. I, I i genuinely tried and he was wearing a tuxedo t-shirt <laughs> like, that, like that's that's it also jacket dunks is ordering three large coffees because that man has more energy than any one person should be do you remember thornton's uh pregame i do not think i imagine Sean, he's just punching the wall five coffees five coffees five coffees five coffees I have two in the course of 12 hours and I have to do breathing exercises <laughs> or I will pass out. It's kind of fun though, huh? Yeah, it makes you feel alive. Yeah, it yeah. makes me want to go out and fight a man too. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you have any other notes? No, just wanted to say that uh, you mentioned earlier like there's just Boston is like perpetually in it. There was 
in other fandoms, people are looking forward to Boston's decline. And I just got to say, it's pretty fantastic that we have two necromancers as our top two centers. And we just apparently are never going to be bad. I say that now and we'll be eating those words in a couple of years, but just join the ride. It's really fun. Yeah. Again, like the, the conversation going into the season was stay above 500. And they are currently at an eight eight nine winning percentage points Jeez percentage. <laughs> I, right. I would say nine hundred, well, slightly above five hundred. So very happy with that. Very much looking forward to the rest of the season. Feeling very confident, mentally prepared. You know, to drop a couple here and there, but I have confidence that almost every night they will be the better hockey team. As do I. Uh, let let us know, folks, what you want to hear going forward. Who you want to hear. You want us? We're gonna have guests on here, do some interviews. Uh, got some some stuff in the works, some other wishes. But let us know who you want to hear on here, what you liked, what you didn't like, uh, and and whatever. I mean, we're just kind of starting this thing out and don't really have a ton of direction for it. We're just gonna try to make it as we go here and just have some fun during the Bruin season. It's an easy season to have some fun, or at least it has been up to this point. So. Just want to keep that rolling. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, bearwithme underscore pod. Uh, you can follow Rob at Ross Dower. You can it's in the bio of Bear With Me. And um, yeah, let us know. We're interested to hear you guys' thoughts on this show. Rob, any closing thoughts for the listeners? Nope, just really looking forward to this for the rest of the season. Both for the watching. rest of my life. <laughs> well, honestly, yes, that too. <laughs> but looking for the rest of the season as both a fan as uh, and as a, a newcoming podcaster. And this is where I would say the outro line if we had one. Yo, let us know in the comments what what you want. The out- Smash that like button. Smash that comment button and comment what you want me button. to say at the end of the show. Bear with me. me.